Talent-wise, the Seahawks have one of the best safety groups in the NFL, but can they actually keep their stars healthy in the secondary? We're going to be previewing the safety position on our latest edition of Locked On Seahawks. You are Locked On Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, 12. This is Corbin Smith, host of the Locked On Seahawks podcast, your daily Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Glad to be joined for this Thursday episode by my co-host, Dallas Cooper. And a special thanks to all the 12s out there, whether you're listening from Nova Scotia or Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, we greatly appreciate you making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We're going to be dishing out our throwback jersey Contest winner as well as a beanie hat. We'll be naming both those winners later on today's episode. And we're going to dish out our pre-training camp 53-man roster projections on offense and defense. Should be a jam-packed episode. So let's get to it. Now for your lead story here on our Thursday edition of Locked on Seahawks. From a talent perspective, if you look at the Seahawks depth chart, it's been this way for the last several years. There are very few teams in the NFL that have the talent that the Seahawks have in the safety position, and they put a lot of money in that spot as well. Massive contracts for Jamal Adams and Quandre Diggs. Adams they acquired for two first-round picks and a third-rounder, so they traded a lot of draft capital to acquire him. They just signed Julian Love to a two-year $12 million deal, and they just drafted Jarek Reed in the sixth round to add to this group. Year in, year out, talent-wise, the Seahawks have been stacked to that position. But Dallas, this has got to be the essential question going into the season. They've got Julian Love now. Jamal Adams is supposed to be coming back healthy. You've got Quandre Diggs coming off a strong finish to last season, returning from his own injury. Can they finally keep the big three healthy? Ryan Neal was part of that big three the last couple of years, and they just couldn't keep all three players on the field together, Adams being the one that's been injured the most. And Of course, that's the biggest question mark here. Can you keep all these guys healthy so that you can maximize the talent that Seattle clearly has at the safety position? As you said, Corbin, year in, year out, for the longest time, Pete Carroll has put a value towards that safety position as it is the back line of the defense. And it is the part, the position group that is expected to sort of get the back line straightened out in a way like how linebackers are expected to run the defense and they're they're known as the quarterback of the defense. Well, the safeties are the quarterback of the defense secondary. They're the ones getting everyone lined up right and making sure everything's in the right spot. And safeties have such tremendous value, as we see from the limited time that Jamal Adams has been on the field for the Seahawks. The Seahawks have been a aggressive, really game-wrecking defense when he's on the field. And who does that come from? It comes from Adams. And like you said, Diggs also factors into that as well. Diggs battled back from injury and four interceptions, and he made his third straight Pro Bowl. And he gave up, in terms of like out of the bigger name safeties, he was in terms of, he had one of the better numbers out of all of them in terms of passing yards given up, completions given up, touchdown. Whatever you want to name it, Diggs was up there in terms of one of the best safeties in the league. And he's consistently done that especially since being in a Seattle uniform. And as you said, you bring in Julian Love, the versatility. And let's not forget Blunt, 
Sutherland, all those guys at the depth pieces that are going to mix in. And I expect to see a lot more dime this year as Pete Carroll, I think, is going to be trying to put these safeties out on the field at the same time. Yeah, and that's what they were really trying to do last year. And if you saw that first quarter and change that Jamal Adams played before he suffered the torn quad tendon, unfortunately, he played a handful of snaps up as a linebacker in their nickel sets. And so maybe that takes a player like Jordan Brooks or Devin Bush or even Bobby Wagner off the field for a handful of plays a game because they're going to be wanting to bring him up near the box and mixing him in, utilizing his skill set. And it's easier to do that when you have a player like Julian Love, who you sign as a free agent that has played over 500 snaps in his career at both safety positions as well as slot corner. And he's got more than 200 snaps in his career as an outside corner as well. Julian Love is a true Swiss Army knife that's been really good at every one of those positions. And so you can do so much more defensively with comfort knowing, hey, I can move Jamal Adams in the box, but I'm still going to have a second safety here that I can count on that can play in the slot, but he can also drop back and play deep safety in thirds. You can move Quandre Diggs around. Some of I mean, Quandre Diggs can come up and stick people too. So this gives you a lot more schematic flexibility. Of course, again, the big question mark, are you going to have Jamal Adams back 100% ready to go at the beginning of the season? And when you do – can you keep him healthy? Can you keep the other two healthy so that all three of these guys you can maximize in their skill sets? Because they do complement each other really well. They're all very different players, and they all have some sense of versatility. So you can move them around. And you know Pete Carroll's been excited about that. And Julian Love's going to bring some elements that Ryan Neal, and this is not knocking Ryan Neal. Ryan Neal was not the athlete in space that Julian Love is. He could not match up with quicker slot receivers. That was not his game. Julian Love can do that. Love's not quite as big, but he still plays a physical brand of football. He's going to add some dimensions they did not have, and that's why you paid him $12 million for two years to come in. So it really just comes down to, are they going to be able to keep those players healthy? And I'm glad that you mentioned Sutherland and Reed and Joey Blunt, these other safeties on the roster, because I think all three of those guys – most of the teams in the league, they would be able to battle for roster spots, and yet maybe one spot is available for those three players. And as well as Joey Blunt played on special teams last year, we didn't see him on defense. And Jarek Reed, the second, this team is excited about him. If he's able to live up to the hype, I find it hard to believe that he's not going to be the guy in that roster spot. And yet Sutherland, he's kind of that real wild card here because – he looks like a Ryan Neal hybrid. He looks like a guy that can play a similar role, and we know how much success that Ryan Neal had on defense and special teams. Sutherland is that kind of player. He was a four-year captain at Penn State. Only one of their players ever done that for the Nittany Lions story program. So there's a lot to like about him, too. This is a good problem to have. You're hoping you can stash a couple of these guys in the practice squad, but they've got some really good depth pieces there. And that might be the most intriguing part to watch here. If you're assuming the other three veterans, the stars are healthy, watching that battle take place between these secondary guys that are battling for maybe one, maybe two roster spots as reserved for the Seahawks. Those depth spots are very limited on this defense. There's not much room. As you said, three guys are fighting for one spot and as you talked about with Sutherland being a captain, Sutherland, it's very interesting as he has background in college playing a linebacker role where he's yep. almost mm -hmm. almost always in the box. What's interesting about that is he's only 5'11", 200 pounds. 
yet at his pro day completed 25 bench press reps, a 37 and a half vertical jump, and a 10, 10 foot or 10 and three broad jump with a 45840. He is an explosive athlete. Now, Sutherland, strong. With that linebacker, as you talked about with his resemblance of Ryan Neal in that role, that's going to be interesting because Adams is expected to take over that role almost as the dime linebacker. So potentially, does Sutherland maybe mix into that as the dime linebacker and you leave Adams in the back? Or while Adams is hurt, does Sutherland take the spot because he has that experience at that linebacker role? It's going to be interesting because the talent they have they're able to mix and match like chess pieces. Yeah, and you circle Adams here with all these discussions because we don't know what to expect when training camp opens next week. Is he going to be active? Is he going to start on the pup list? How long is he on the pup list? All those variables are going to dictate how this plays out with these three other players that we're talking about because if Adams is out for the start of the season and not ready to play, everything I've been told suggests he's going to be ready. But somehow he's not you're probably going to have to have a couple of those guys on your roster with him on the pup list. And so Sutherland does add some wrinkles to this defense with that experience playing as a dime linebacker from safety position. He's got the physicality and strength to do it. He's got that leadership background. So there's a lot of things that he checks off the Seahawks value. It's just going to be tough because Jarek Reed and, and Joey Blunt, kind of the long lost guy in this discussion. We forget how well he played on special teams last year. So you can make arguments for any of these players, but I do think they're battling with a healthy Jamal Adams. They're battling for one spot, maybe two, if you get the last special teams position, which is going to be up for grabs with other positions as well. Coming up next, we are going to continue with our 53-man roster projections pre-training camp. We're going to go to the offensive side of the football which players are going to be making the Seahawks team, and then we'll get to defense later in the show. You're listening to the Thursday edition of Locked On Seahawks. Our partners at eBay Motors have teamed up with Locked On Fantasy Football host Vinny Iyer to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week all season long. Whether you're preparing for a draft or scouting the waiver wire, every week we're going to provide you players that are guaranteed to fit in your roster with draft prep underway for the upcoming season. Let's see who Vinny has picked out for us with this week's eBay guaranteed fit fantasy picks of the week looking to make a smooth turn in fantasy football snake drafts with the last pick in the first round and first pick in the second round you'll be guaranteed to have two of the surest performers by going all afc west with raiders receiver Devonte adams and chiefs quarterback patrick mahomes adams has proved he remains a reliable top selection in las vegas while mahomes will again operate with both the highest floor and ceiling among the standout luxury options at his position with ebay guaranteed fit and over 122 million parts and accessories for your vehicle right at your fingertips, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Air filters, brakes, batteries, taillights, alternators, shocks, struts, you name it, eBay Motors has it, and they'll make sure it's the right fit for your car because eBay Guaranteed Fit helps you understand exactly what part you need for your vehicle the first time. So go forth, switch gears, crank the AC, and say goodbye to sweating if your ride needs a little fixing up because now you'll know you'll always be set up for success from the get-go. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, everything your vehicle is calling for is just a click away. For the parts and accessories that fit your vehicle, just look at the green check, get the right parts, the right fit, and the right price at ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You're listening to the Thursday edition of Locked on Seahawks. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Glad to be joined for today's show by my co-host, Dallas Cooper. And a special thanks to all the 12s out there 
for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. For our everydayers out there, we're going to be back with a Blue Friday installment coming tomorrow. I'll be joined by Nick Lee. We will wrap up our forecast Friday segments heading into training camp, and we are going to continue with our emojis, love them or leave them, with defensive undrafted free agents. It's going to be a really fun episode. Make sure you are listening in. With training camp now less than a week away from kicking off at the VMAC Dallas, it's time to revisit our 53-man roster projections. Now that there's been a lot of changes to the roster since the last time that we did this coming out of OTAs, but there's been a few players that have been cut. There's been some speculation about some players potentially coming back. And so we're going to have a little bit of fun here retooling our rosters. And we're going to start on the offensive side of the football. And I'm going to keep repeating this. This feels like a side of the football as long as everybody stays healthy. Injuries are always a part of the scheme. But if injuries aren't accounted for and everybody stays healthy, this does feel like the side of the football where there's a lot of shoe-ins and there's not a lot of competitions as far as roster spots that are going to be up for grabs. It's pretty funny when we were making this 53-man roster projection, you list off the names and it kind of just comes to you really quick. The You don't really have to think about it too hard because the Seahawks offense, as you said, is set. They don't have much spots open. And at this point, it's more of just depth pieces and options on how much depth pieces at which or at depth pieces, excuse me, at which spot. And that's going to be the big thing. So for me at wide receiver, the interesting one that I have is Kay Johnson not making the team. Unfortunately, I think Matt Landers is going to be the guy just because of the skill set that he brings. An X receiver, I don't think the Seahawks have another guy that resembles an X receiver besides Metcalf. Young has the body type, but Young reminds me of a Swiss Army knife on offense who's going to be able to be used as sometimes as a tight end, inline tight end, sometimes as a, as a fullback. And we saw that with snaps last year on how Shane Waldron used them. But the Seahawks are missing an X receiver behind Metcalf. And Landers, to me, is the guy that's going to answer that. Yeah, I considered Landers. He was one of the last couple players I looked at. Jake Bobo has also worked his way onto my radar, even though he is not near the athlete that Matt Landers is. The Seahawks have talked him up. So we'll see what training camp details. But I just don't have either one of them making this roster. And I'm going with a guy, it's kind of like with Joey Blunt. When we talked about last segment that as well as he played, the moves have been made this offseason. People just kind of forgot, hey, Joey Blunt was one of their better special teams players before he got banged up late in the season. And for me, Kay Johnson, what we saw from him the last couple games, the thing that really stood out to me, when you're talking about a player that's coming from the practice squad that hasn't had a lot of action actually playing on Sundays, for Geno Smith to have the faith to throw to him in clutch situations, especially that last regular season game against the Rams, he had two crucial first down receptions in that game, and they had a healthy Tyler Lockett back. They had DK Metcalf in that game. Derek Young was there. He was going to Kate Johnson in those situations, and that shows an incredible amount of faith in that young receiver, the chemistry that they showed. And he has talked him up in the past. And I know the addition of Jackson Smith and Jigba is going to eat up the slot reps. So where does Kate Johnson fit in? I don't know that he's necessarily going to get many opportunities on offense, but Smith and Jigba can't play every snap. Tyler Lockett can't play every snap. DK can't play every snap. So I can see Kate Johnson being somebody that 
carves out a role. Maybe he's on special teams returning kicks. That's something he did at South Dakota State. He has struggled a little bit there since coming in the NFL, but maybe the light switch comes on. He's got the ability to do that. He was effective returning kicks in college. If he shows out that way, he's able to contribute in other ways on special teams with what we saw from him as a receiver last year and the chemistry that he built with Geno Smith, the production he had in college. There's a lot to like about him. So I think at least early in the season, this is an organization that has shown a lot of faith in him last year and they've hung with him. So I've got Kate Johnson making the team and I've got Olu Olu a team. He's still winning the starting job at center. And I can see the argument for Evan Brown starting week one, or at least starting early in the season because you do have Aaron Donald week one you got to deal with. That's a lot to ask a rookie to deal with. But Oluwatimi is such a decorated prospect coming to the league. He's got so many snaps under his belt. I think he's going to be ready to take that job. But otherwise, there really isn't much drama on the offensive side of the football. I consider Holton Aylers because of that new rule that has been put in place where you can have a third quarterback available that doesn't count against your active 46. But that player is still part of your 53-man roster. So I don't know that Pete Carroll is going to be willing to give up one of those extra spots that he can use for somebody that's a special teams guy or an extra receiver. I'm still not sure that he's going to be willing to do that, even though this rule does give you flexibility on game days to have 47 players dressing in case you do have a catastrophe and both your top two quarterbacks, Geno Smith and Drew Locke, get banged up. Maybe Tyler Mabry can make a case as a fourth tight end, but I, I just can't see Seattle keeping more than three at that position. I think four running backs is going to happen. Kenny McIntosh is going to get one of those spots because of his special teams value along with DJ Dallas. So it really doesn't feel like there's a lot of drama other than maybe that sixth receiver spot. And, you know, maybe something crazy will happen in the offensive line. I think Jake Curhan right now is probably one of the last ones that makes the team because he's listed as a guard. And if Evan Brown doesn't win the job and he's a guard, maybe they decide to only go with eight offensive linemen and Kerhan gets kicked to the curb. I mean, there are some scenarios that could play out here, but for now, I think Kerhan's versatility is going to keep him on the roster as a backup swing guard tackle type that gives Seattle some flexibility. They do have a few guys get banged up. I agree with you on Kerhan being one of the last guys on the offensive line to be making the roster. And to your point, he has experience at multiple positions. Right now, he is listed at guard, which is not the best for his sake because of, as you said, Brown has experience at guard just last season. However, our differences in R53 was that you had Oluwatimi starting over Brown. For me, I think that Brown, they're going to want to ease Oluwatimi in. I would not be surprised by the end of his rookie year if he is the starter. But going into week one, I don't think that they're going to want to risk Oluwatimi having to go against Aaron Donald, as you said. But if there is a rookie that is going to have success right away in the NFL, it's going to be him. And as someone as who was as decorated and as great of a college prospect as he was, he was so great in college, has every award you could ever ask for, every accolade. He's the guy, if someone was ready to jump into the NFL at center, he was going to be the guy and he could be the guy. Yeah, and I think Anthony Bradford is going to push Phil Haynes, too. But I've talked about this. I think Phil Haynes is ready to take off if he can stay healthy. That's always the big key with him. He's had some durability issues. But these competitions, both those competitions are going to be really fun. But we can assume that all four of those guys are going to be making the roster. It just boils down to who's going to be starting. So when you're looking at 53-man roster projections, on offense at least, 
it doesn't feel like at least right now that, and maybe somebody will sneak up out of nowhere. That seems to happen quite often in training camp, but it just doesn't feel like there's that player right now. And as long as this entire offense stays healthy, there's nobody that has significant injuries. You know, there's not going to be shuffling. It just feels like they're just kind of jockeying for who's going to start. And really the roster spots for the most part have been decided. Now let's shift gears here on our Thursday edition of locked on Seahawks. Over to the defensive side of the football, we'll get to our defensive projections here in the moment. You're listening to the Thursday edition of Locked on Seahawks. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Glad to be joined by Dallas Cooper as my co-host today. And a special thanks to all the 12s. We greatly appreciate you making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. Everybody's been waiting on this. We kicked off with the throwback jerseys coming out yesterday. We launched a one-day contest, and we are excited to announce our winners now here randomly selected for our throwback Geno Smith uniform as well as a Seahawks beanie cap so we got two big winners here on our locked on Seahawks show for our winners a little bit of a drum roll Dallas here we go all right for the winners that we have randomly selected for the second prize we're going to start with the second prize here our beanie cap the winner for the beanie cap, one of our submissions off of YouTube, Megan Galkroger, 3017. You have won the beanie cap. So make sure to contact us on YouTube. Reach out to us. We will get that set up to get that prize to you. And now, without further ado, another drum roll, please. We got our contest winner bringing home the Geno Smith throwback uniform coming off of Twitter, one of our 500 plus submissions for this contest randomly selected brendan van he is our winner off of twitter so make sure brendan to reach out to us uh, we'll also do that as well but congratulations on winning the geno smith throwback uniform we will get those details sorted out so that you can wear that 90s era throwback with pride and once again thanks to everybody who participated and submitted to the contest we greatly appreciate it. Let's get back to our 53-man roster projections now, Dallas, on the defensive side of the football. I do feel like there's a little bit more variables here in terms of who could make this football team. I, we talked about the safeties at the back end, Jamal Adams' health bearing in on that. you got players like Brian Monet and Al Robinson who probably aren't going to be ready for the start of the regular season based on what Pete Carroll said. So they're probably not going to be on your initial 53-man roster at least. And then – You've got some backup linebacker battles that are intriguing. You mentioned some corner stuff that might end up being different than what the narrative is out there. And, of course, the interior defensive line, everybody's wondering if somebody's going to be added. So let's look at your defensive 53. And I know there's a few things that you want to break down, but the first one that really jumped out to me, and it goes off a conversation that we had on last Friday's show, I believe, and it was that you had Trey Brown on the hot seat and looking at your 53-man roster projection, you have him off the roster. So I'm curious, is this about him getting cut or is he traded in this instance? In this instance, he's traded because he's such a young talent and he showed promise in 2021 in the limited action that he did get. I do believe that there is a team out there that is going to take a risk, especially to bring him on as a third cornerback to try and see what is there. The Seahawks have so much talent at this cornerback position that he's really not going to be able to find snaps at all. 
unless he adjusts to becoming a slot cornerback or a nickel cornerback. And at the end of the day, he's not that. He's best on the outside, and he was best when he was opposite of DJ Reed. But Trey Brown, to me, is a guy that is going to be a trade target for teams in during training camp because of just the amount of talent on that. And Burns, to me, is going to be making the roster strictly because of his age and the veteran presence that he brings. He was in the system. He was brought in last year, especially as someone who came came in with experience with Desai and Clint Hurt. Desai is leaving, and he's not on the team for this next upcoming season. But Clint Hurt, still being the defensive coordinator, he's going to be able to help these younger guys transition into the system and keep up their intellectual understanding with the system. Burns is going to help that. He's going to be a coach on the field, and I believe that's going to be a huge factor into why he makes the roster. If Trey Brown is dealt, then I think that this does make sense. And maybe he is the player. Maybe Mike Jackson ends up being the guy that gets moved around. But as you mentioned, Trey Brown does have a little bit more pedigree being a little higher draft pick and things of that nature. He's got more club control than what Mike Jackson does too. So those are things that we have to consider. And nobody knows what's going to happen on that front. I mean, if a team has a corner go down in training camp, they may be calling John Shire immediately. Like, we know you got a surplus. We'll offer you a sixth or a fifth even. Let's bring in somebody like Trey Brown. So those things are always a possibility. And I noticed in your 53-man roster projection, this sticks with your last one. You've got Vi Jones making the team as one of the backup linebackers. And then at defensive tackle, Jonah Tavai making it as one of the last guys on the roster, given the lack of depth that they have at the nose tackle position. And I've talked so glowingly about Jonah Tavai that what I'm going to say next is going to shock people, at least from the perspective that he's not on my roster. But when you see why that's the case, it's a lot more understandable. For me, it's because I still think Shelby Harris is going to be on this football team. And he posted something on Twitter earlier this week with eyeballs saying that it's coming soon. Now, maybe he's got a deal worked out with another team. But I just uh, this entire time, I have felt like he is going to find his way back to Seattle. The Seahawks are going to get their draft class signed finally. They're going to get Witherspoon and Charbonnet under contract. They're going to do something, whether it's extending a player, uh, doing some restructuring, whatever they're going to do. They're going to open up enough space they can bring back Shelby Harris. And under that case, I think that Jaron Reed is going to end up being a swing nose tackle in three tech. He's going to play starter snaps, but maybe doesn't necessarily start to open up games. Cameron Young's going to get the opportunity to do that nose tackle, but Reed can play the nose tackle spot. Shelby Harris can too. So I actually have this playing out that Shelby Harris is on the roster early in training camp, and he ends up being a guy that plays significant snaps again for the Seahawks with the familiarity he has with the scheme. Him and Draymond Jones played together in Denver. I think that it's a really good fit to bring him back. I also have Brian Monet and Al Robinson starting the season on the pup list, and that's based off of what we know from what Pete Carroll has said. And again, injury reports from Pete Carroll, sometimes you got to take with a grain of salt, but it didn't sound encouraging. that Those two are going to be ready. And from what I've heard uh, behind the scenes, it does sound like what those guys are going to need quite a bit more time until they're ready to play. So got both of them on the pup list. And really that's where the huge difference is for me from yours. And I do have Trey Brown on this roster because I, I don't think the Seahawks are going to deal any of those guys away unless they just get blown away with an offer 
And I think Artie Burns in that case would definitely be the odd man out. They're going to keep five corners with Trey Brown and Kobe Bryant and Mike Jackson being the backups behind Devin Witherspoon as well as Reek Woolen. So it's an interesting dynamic when you're looking here because there's certainly more position groups where you feel like, well, this guy might be able to make the team or this undrafted player might be able to force his way onto the team. It feels like there's a lot more flexibility here in terms of who might make this roster, the safety positions. Well, I've got Jarek Reed being the one that makes it of the three that we talked about earlier, but John Sutherland and Joey Blunt could certainly make this roster as well. It does feel like there's a lot more variability on the defensive side of the football. It seems that that's been a focus with John Schneider is having a surplus of people in each position group, which then gives you the amount of flexibility, which you're saying. The Seahawks have so much options at a lot of these positions, especially at the depth spots, because of just the amount of bodies they have. At cornerback, you have so much talent. At safety, you have so much talent. As you as you just said, three people fighting for potentially one spot if Adams is healthy. And then going back to the linebacker spot, as you said, it's kind of been sticking to what I've believed this entire offseason. But I think the Seahawks are going to be going with Vi Jones at the backup linebacker spot because of strictly his athleticism and potential. He's a younger guy, and with that, you know he's going to be good on kickoff coverage. And Radigan was a special teams ace. However, Jones also brings the potential when you do bring him in. If you need him to get snaps on the actual defensive side of the ball, Jones has the athleticism to truly match out there. And you give him reps, you give him years to just figure it out. I think Jones can really be a productive backup for the Seahawks. And then we also have the big difference of Shelby Harris and Jonathan Vi. And over here, Seahawks fans, I am not upset at Shelby Harris coming back. That would make me ecstatic. I was excited when Corbin brought that up when before we were talking about the show. I thought he was confirming a report to me, not just saying that that was his projection. <laughs> no, unfortunately, I, so I, I can't tell you whether or not it's going to sign, but – I'm just telling you, my, I, I've got the hunch he will be back in a Seahawks uniform. That, that's just my 10 cents. But I, If he is, I would be ecstatic. But I am not exactly as optimistic. But I'm going to go with what it is right now. So I'm going to say that Tavai is going to be that backup nose tackle spot, which is going to be interesting as he is really undersized for a traditional nose tackle, especially in an odd front. But Tavai is going to be a different type of nose tackle, relying on speed, hand usage, maybe even back, using the backside A-gap a lot of times instead of traditionally just staying head up on the center. He might be a cocked nose tackle instead going into one of one of the A-gaps. Yeah, schematically, you have to use him a lot differently than Cameron Young saying, we're going to let you two-gap and stuff like that. You're not going to be able to do that as much, although Tavai is pretty stocky. He's 5'10", 280, so he can be a tough guy to move. So, again, he was one of the ones that would have made my roster – if not for Shelby Harris. But I just look at the veterans they're going to have there. Mario Edwards is going to be on this team. They like Mike Morris a lot. They're not going to be cutting him. They like Miles Adams. Eventually, you get weeded out. And I think Tavai is going to be one of the first guys they really try to get back on their practice squad. But that defensive line, I could see Seattle making a trade. I could see them doing a number of things to bolster that interior, especially that nose tackle spot. But I, I feel like that Shelby Harris is still the best option. A guy that knows your scheme. He played for you last year. He's beloved in the locker room. He can be the mentor figure for Cameron Young and 
Mike Morris, another guy that they can lean on. And he's productive. He was one of the few defensive tackles on this roster last year that I thought played well consistently from week one to the end of the year. So still feels like that would be a really good addition to this team. And I just have a hunch that's going to happen. We'll see. There may be other teams out there. Denver may bring him back. There's other options that could be on the table for Shelby Harris. But coming back to Seattle to play with Draymond Jones again, I, I think it would be a really good situation for him and for the Seahawks defensive line that's still going into training camp with plenty of questions. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Corbett Smith NFL. You can follow Dallas at Dallas C. Cooper. Subscribe and follow Locked on Seahawks on YouTube and wherever you listen to podcasts to make sure you don't miss a single episode coming up on our blue Friday show. It's forecast Friday, the last one before training camp. And we'll be looking at Geno Smith as well as a defensive player to be named on Friday. A little bit of surprise there for you. And we're also going to be finishing up our undrafted emojis. Love them or leave them with the defensive side of the football should be a really fun episode. Hope you'll be joining us. Enjoy the rest of your Thursday. Go Hawks.